This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at work? Get towards Brecker! And that is an absolute gem of a goal. George Ware on the prowl, bang! Di Matteo to Signori! Fabulous strike! And here's an opportunity, Zola, lovely dummy! Oh, what a goal for Palmer! Here's Victor! Rabanelli again. Baggio! This is Deschamps! And it's two! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, he has No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? It's episode 8 of our pre-season episode. I'm Chris Gold, joining me Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And some say Jerry Francis will happily admit this man has a better mullet than him. It's Mr. Michael Marden. Hello. So today we're going to be rattling through some of your amazing correspondence, just taking it all in essentially. And we'll be looking at the results of the polls to find out once and for all what's the best piece of memorabilia, what's the best TV show and many other things we can't believe we haven't discussed yet. But first, time for correspondence. You've got mail. Okay, this is from Chris Ran. I very much enjoyed your recent pre-season episode regarding 90s football TV shows. The mention of strange guest combinations with footballers on Ubet, in particular Leslie Joseph, triggered a memory. The said Miss Joseph, at the peak of her Dorian fame, hanging out with my team Southampton at the training ground in 1994-95. But, did I remember this right? Spoke to a few mates who attended the Dell at similar times, though no one was 100% sure there were some vague recollections. So I had no other option to dig out my memorabilia bag and start hunting. There was no mention in any Saints programme that season. But then, while flicking through a copy of the ill-fated monthly publication Saints magazine, the highlight of which was they had a prediction section for coming matches, which boldly suggested Saints would win every single game unless it was an away trip to Old Trafford or Highbury, in which case they suggested a draw. (laughs) And there it was. So this is a uh, page called... Dorian meets the Saints. What? <laughs> so there's three pictures. One, which is uh, Leslie Joseph in a Southampton shirt and tiny shorts and stilettos, ruffling her hair in a kind of sexy manner. <laughs> One, which is her um, nuzzling up against Alan Ball in a flat cap while she's still in the Southampton shirt. Are they all carrying her as well? And like... one where she's held by Jeff Kenner, Bruce Grobelon, Matt Letizia and Alan ball and she's like lying horizontal across them yeah. in a classic Debbie Harry style yeah. in a Saints kit with a mitre delta. How does that come about? Well, Leslie Joseph, known to millions as Dorian in TV's Birds of a Feather, brought a dash of showbiz wit and glamour to Saints training session the other day. 
I'd like to take Matty home with me, she giggled. But his wife might not care for that. And anyway, I don't have a spare £10 million. (laughs) Known for her TV admiration of the male species, the bubbly Leslie Joseph was taking time out from appearing as Fairy Bell Bells in Dick Whittington, which had a highly successful run at the Mayflower in Southampton. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Dressed in a saint's kit, she enthusiastically joined in with Alan Ball and the lads on the training ground. Now she's definitely a convert to footballers. (laughs) That's the full story. Wow. Wow. Great celebrity gossip. So that's some promo for the Panto. Do you reckon that sold many tickets to the Panto? Absolutely not. Um, The picture of her with Alan Ball is lovely because they've gone kind of cheek to cheek and Alan Ball's pulled his flat cap off to the side like there's been a bit of mischief (laughs) and they've just been caught. How do you reckon they decided on... So Letitia and Grobelart were part of it because they're the most famous... How do you reckon Jeff Kenner ended up being the fourth pool bearer on Leslie Je- Jeff Kenner as well, it has to be said, is right in the middle of the action. Yeah. Bruce Grobelar couldn't be like further away and still be in the picture. Is Bruce Grobelar doing that thing, you know, when you're carrying a heavy item and you realise you're taking none of the weight? <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Grobelar's just got his hands up there. I have to say, throughout this little photo shoot, Alan Ball is by far the most enthusiastic. Do you think? Do you think yeah. he's the biggest... Like, in the carry... Do you think Alan Ball's a fan of Birds of Heather? Yeah, I think he probably would be. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Bruce Grobelar would be. No. No. He'd have no idea. Right. How much do you want to hear an email from Ben Dawkins just called John Walk? A lot. <laughs> really enjoying your pre-season pods. After listening to your John Walk chat, it reminded me of another story. For my dad's 70th birthday, we had a meal an Ipswich match and were lucky enough to have John Walk sat on our table. After giving my son Harry the answer sheet for the pre-match quiz, he told us a story about Escape to Victory when him and other Ipswich lads attended the premiere of the film. They got to the scene where John has his line. After the line spoken, John couldn't help himself but he said, they've dubbed me. (laughs) (laughs) This was the first he knew of it. Wow. Apparently they couldn't understand him and they decided they needed a posher Scott. (laughs) Is that true? Yeah. Apparently, according wow. to, according to Ben amazing. Dawkins, that's what John Walk repeated. <laughs> They've dubbed me. I'd love to hear that clip of uh, John Walk on Escape to Victory and see whether he was dubbed. Do you want to hear a Hoddle and Waddle thing? This is called Hoddle and Waddle from James Higson. I'm sure you're aware Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle had a brief musical career in the 80s. In 1987, they released Diamond Lights, which reached number 12 in the charts. Their live performance... However, as a low point of the show, we're all aware that they released that single. Yeah. What you may not be aware of, however, is that because of the success of the first single, a follow-up called It's Goodbye was released. It's ultimately received less promotion and Hoddle had moved to Monaco. They even filmed a higher-budget video that wasn't released, but you can now find on YouTube. Oh, great. What I particularly like the video is that I can't help but feel Glenn wrote and directed the whole masterpiece himself. The narrative of the video shows Waddle dating a girl rather unsuccessfully in an ordinary pub. Her head is then turned by heartbreaker Glenn, who woos her by taking her for dinner in a fancy restaurant. However, their date is snapped by the paparazzi and Waddle finds out of the betrayal by his friend on the front page of The Sun. There is then an excellent scene in a nightclub with multiple Glenn Hoddles on big TV screens as he argues with the girl. P.S. If the Phil Thompson director is still open, Nigel Spink runs a courier business in Sutton Coldfield. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not still open. <laughs> Do you want to see this YouTube of this single?
Um, can I say, it's not entirely without merit. I think this isn't terrible. Do you think uh, that's a good song? Goodbye. Do you think the problem was it was under-promoted? I yeah. think it's fine. It's good, it's good pop. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, how did this happen, Hoddle and Waddle? I Have we got into no that? Idea. How, I don't know. Did they, were they, did they go after a label? Or did the label come to them? And if the label <laughs> came to them... I mean, both of those th- eventualities are mad. That they yeah. thought they could be a pop act, or someone thought they could be a pop well, act. Well, no, they weren't mad because they made it to number yeah. twelve. So, <laughs> kind of proof was in the pudding. Would love to know more about how this came about. Yeah. Also, I don't think that could ever happen now. I could like Lingard and Rashford. Like is <laughs> that, they're, they're taking. Well, the, know, they're taking this, is, this, this is something. If two footballers released a single now, people would say. This is the problem with modern footballers. Yeah. They think they're pop stars. <laughs> but in the olden days, they were pop stars. They were releasing singles every year if they got to the cup final. Maybe it's not Paul Pogba that's the problem losing focus. It's, it's Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who would be the modern equivalent of Hoddle and Waddle? Well, it, there were Spurs. So would it be like... Um, Kane, Kane and, and the Deli Alley. Yeah. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> Kane and Alley. I'd love to see a Kane and Alley. Kane and Alley. Make it happen. <laughs> what, what genre of music would it be? What would their track Kane be? Kane and Alley. Um, I think it would be... Well, it would be a duo. Yeah. Would it be like Charles and Eddie or Shakademus and Pliers? <laughs> Oxford, like, Oxide and Neutrino. Oxide and Neutrino. I think, I think more like Robson and Jerome. Robson like, and Jerome. Harry Kane's got fairly limited range, I think. <laughs> what would they cover? What kind of like... Um, I can't stop thinking about UB40 because the lead singer's called Ali Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> they might cover um, Red Red, Red Bull Wine. <laughs> I'd love that to happen. The problem now is they've probably got different like sponsors and image rights and stuff so they couldn't legally release a single you'd never together. get the deal over the line you'd never get the deal over the line it would be an absolute nightmare imagine what, like if the Euro 2020 England song was Red Red Wine by Kane and Ali I yeah. would buy it I'd buy it, I'd buy it. I, would you sing it if you were on the terraces watching England game would you sing it no but I'd sing Goodbye by um, Chris Robin <laughs> Glenn Hoddle or whatever it's called uh, thank you for all your amazing correspondence we've got loads more we'll get to it in the uh, well throughout this show and in the next series Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Okay, well, this pre season series, you may have noticed, we're talking about things we can't believe we haven't talked about before and complementing our selection for things we couldn't believe we haven't talked about before have been a series of Twitter polls where you have voted on what the winner is of these various subjects. So now we're going to reveal the winners. However, we're recording this after the fourth episode has gone out, so we don't know the poll results for the latter episodes. But nonetheless, still plenty to talk about. Let's take us through it, Michael. I don't know the results. Okay, so in episode one of the pre-season specials, we talked about uh, 90s football computer games. Uh, Chris picked Tecmo World Cup. Josh picked Premier Manager. And I picked Sensible World of Soccer. That's going to be such an obvious landslide. Well, we had a huge and I'd say heated response to this uh, this episode. Before we get to the uh, listener's choice and the results of the poll, uh, a few honourable mentions... 
So games that didn't come up that people were very passionate about online. Uh, World Cup Italia 90 on the Sega Master System. Nothing Either of you playing that? No. I did. Time. It was an awful top-down sort of oh, sub-kickoff sub game. Dreadful. Kickoff was one of those computer games where the person that created it had given themselves a credit. Because it was often known as Dino Dinny's kickoff. Oh, is that? Did he, did he, I just like presumed. Sid Meier's Civilization. <laughs> John Madden's NFL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of shouts for European Club Soccer on the Sega Mega Drive. No. A lot of sort of slightly ironic shouts for a game called Adidas Power Soccer on the PlayStation yeah, we've had a couple 1. Of emails about that. Yeah, it's essentially like a giant product placement for the Adidas Predator boot. Right. The gameplay was awful, but there was an option to do what they called the Predator Kick. Which huh. was, a, was a move that you did that was you just scored a goal every time you did it and like the Predator boot flashed up so Adidas had clearly just paid money uh. to promote this new boot via the, uh, the football game but the most popular option by a long shot for the public choice uh, was FIFA 98 Road to the World Cup oh I had that yeah yeah I did have that what why your... was people so into that uh, well it seemed over like over ISS 64 over at ISS 64, yeah. I, I think loved ISS 64. Me too. I was surprised that FIFA 98 Road to World Cup was the uh, winner. Um, a lot of people had a lot of love for the opening song, which was Song 2 by Blur, sort of over the uh, the opening credits to that. Right. Um, Des Lynham did the intro. So oh, right. Oh, it sounds like there. a classy thing then. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a, a brilliant indoor five-a-side mode. Um, and it was one of the first games where like the level of graphic improvements meant that every player had a different face it wasn't just kind of uh, uniform but the programming was really bad and basically teenage Michael Owen had a full beard <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember that game I did have it you're right it was the first game where it was like 3D graphics oh, and yeah. the, 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 I think John Motson on the commentary yes. if that may have come and it was genuinely such a step up on everything that had come before yeah. so I understand why did it then win the poll Michael? well We'll get, to, we'll get to the poll in a second because um, we had quite a few messages in from another thing which I had completely forgotten existed and I wondered if you guys remember so on uh, talking about Sensible World of Soccer and Cannon Fodder which came up there were a series of uh, like demo discs that were given away free on the cover of like Amiga Power and those type of yeah, magazines yeah. that were sort of hybrid versions of Sensible Soccer and Cannon Fodder oh yeah one of them which was uh, you, you play with a walnut you, you, there was one where you were fruit it was called like apples and oranges and yeah. like, you, if you kick the ball up in the air when it landed it turned into a banana skin and players would fall over yeah, 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 there yeah. was one where uh, the ball was a grenade and you you, yeah. you were playing as Cannon Fodder men rather than Sensible Soccer men but the, the ball would blow up randomly and just like kill your players <laughs> and there was another one which was basically Cannon Fodder but so you were defending your goal and players would just kind of yes, surge I down and you would have vaguely. to like fire things at them because they, the games had the same designers. So I think as promotion, they would give away like a demo. Well, we've, had- got, we've got an email actually that is similar area, right? Which I'd forgotten, which is on Sensible Soccer because obviously that was made by Sensible Software. And yeah. A bit, of a, a bit of a sense of humour about them. Um, and did you remember on Sensible Soccer, the original... There were teams that were called stuff like In the Pencil Case. Yeah. So um, this is from Anthony Matthews. I've always been a big fan of the show. Uh, until I listened to the latest episode about nice football computer games, as soon as Sensible Soccer was mentioned, it brought me back a harrowing and traumatic memory of my past, one I had managed to forget. Picture the scene. Mid-90s, a young teenager with a Sega Mega Drive. Life was good. Got even better when I bought Sensible Soccer. Um, as soon as the catchy theme came on, I was hooked, and after many hours of play, I considered myself a pro. So much so, when my mate asked me over with a group of mates to play a tournament of the game, I happily accepted. 
confident I would destroy them. We each chose a team and entered the cup. My confidence increased further when I was drawn against the huge outsiders in the pencil case in the first round. As my mates struggled to narrow wins against high-class opposition, all I could think was I'd score 19 or 20. Then it happened, the unimaginable, the unthinkable. To my horror, in the pencil case, launched a counter-attack early in the game, and Sharpner produced a tidy finish. <laughs> Despite attack upon attack, I could not penetrate pencil case's defence. <laughs> my mates laughing uncontrollably at the embarrassing result. I swore never to play the game again. Never so much to speak of the game again, yet for years and years I reminded the peril of memory by my so-called friends bringing me back to the depths of despair, yet finally after some time the taunting stopped and I was able to forget until you brought the nightmare and it returned. <laughs> in the pencil case, rings a bell. Yeah, so they'd have like, there'd be like a team called In the Fruit Bowl, it'd be like Apple Orange. Like yeah. they, I think it was just to fill out the numbers legally. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't have the licensing for the yeah. teams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's all the games that came up. Uh, are you guys ready for the poll to yeah. announce the winner? So, in fourth place, with a mere 2% of the vote, it was Tecmo World Cup. What an injustice. <laughs> in third place, with 15% of the vote, it was Premier Manager. Yeah, I think that's about fair. In second place, with 40% of the vote. So what was the first place percentage? The first place percentage was 43%. Ooh. Second place, 40 So it was close. The runner-up was Sensible oh, World of Soccer. What? I can't believe that Sensi didn't win this. FIFA World to the Road Cup. Yeah, FIFA 98 Road to the World Cup. Won our list our slightly younger than us, clearly. Yeah. That slightly annoys me. So I was surprised, <laughs> surprised by that result. Are you going to push for a second referendum? People's vote. <laughs> then episode two in the pre-season specials, we looked at our favourite 90s football TV shows. Um, Josh picked Standing Room Only. Uh, I did a last minute U-turn and switched from Match of the Day to Gazetta Football Italia. And Chris chose You Bet. And as a lot of people point out, it's not a football show. Come uh, on, it had a football element, guys. Well, some honourable mentions that people have all pointed out that you should have picked instead of you bet. Uh, Saint and Greavesy, obviously. Yeah. Route one. A lot of shouts for Dream Team, which is not uh, a show not I ever, I had never watched. I Dream didn't have Team. Sky, so yeah, and it was stupid. <laughs> You're gonna get some hate for that. Uh, <laughs> Renford Rejects, a lot of shouts again. Yeah, not, I mean, I can see that. Not a show that I ever really watched. Um, Hurricanes got a few shouts. Yeah, we've discussed yeah, I mean, that before. Yeah. But before we get to the listeners' choice and the winner of the poll, Josh, any correspondence on this? I think this was the episode where we discussed Thomas Ravelli, the Swedish goalie who wore a one-piece. Yeah. And we discussed that he was re- referred to in a funny way as a goalkeeper. Yes. And uh, people have um, emailed in with other synonyms for goalkeeper. Oh, lovely. David Ingham. The, only one word in his email, just the word custodian. <laughs> Perfect. If you have got any other synonyms for goalkeeper, we do love them. I'd love a crime drama called Netminder. Oh, Netminder would be a great fourth Steve Bruce book. Yeah, Netminder. <laughs> I was picturing a sort of Scandi drama. Like... <laughs> Chain-smoking goalkeeper. Netminder. Yeah, but he'd do, it would all be on the internet, wouldn't it? He'd be catching paedophiles on the internet, Netminder. <laughs> Former goalkeeper who now <laughs> catches criminals on the internet. Yeah. So, uh, we threw out the fourth option to our social media. Unanimously they chose to include Fantasy Football League in the poll. Of course. So, well, I knew that was going to happen. It was Gazetta Football Italia, Fantasy Football League, You Bet and Standing Room Only. Uh, in fourth place, with 1% of the vote, 
standing room only. No way! Unbelievable. That's harsh. It's very harsh. I'm telling you, our listeners are younger than we are. In third place, with 4% of the vote, it's You Bet. You Bet avoids relegation. Yeah. <laughs> in So second place in the poll, got 42%, and first place, 53%. And the runner-up, was Fantasy Football League, which was a surprise. So Gazetta Football Italia oh. won the poll. Blimey. They are two very strong, two very strong shows. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's like Liverpool losing to Man City, isn't it? <laughs> 97 <laughs> points. Yeah. But any other season, uh, any other medium, and uh, that would have been the best thing, but sadly it was in the TV show category. Um, before we go on to the next one, I've literally just had another email into the inbox. Shall we read it out? Yeah. yeah. It's from Twig. Hey guys, following your Robbie Fowler CD dilemma on Do I Like That segment of the pod, I was reminded of my work, time working at Our Price in the Westgate Centre in Oxford in the mid-90s. Um, on two occasions, we were graced by 90s football legends. First up, Mark Lawrenson, a straightforward CD purchase. Want to have a guess? I think it's going to be a crooner. I'm going to go, great, it's a Dean Martin. I think that wouldn't be memorable if you saw that, <laughs> but it would be memorable if it was the Spice Girls. Dummy by Porter's Head. Oh, what wow. a curveball! Secondly, Martin Keown, England International. Yeah. Want to have a guess? I think something classic. I don't think he's gotten, like, he wouldn't have contemporary taste. I'm saying The Clash. I, I think he's got contemporary but bad taste. So I'm going to say The Beautiful South. It was Soul to Soul, Volume <laughs> 5. Wow. <laughs> but Martin wasn't as sure as Laura on his choice. So. Asked he could listen on the headphones on the counter. After a bit of head nodding, he decided to make the purchase. On being asked for the 9.99, he asked how much cheaper the cassette was, 6.49, and bought the tape. <laughs> I reckon what's happened there is that's getting played in the dressing room, and he doesn't know what it is. And he's gone down to the shop at our price, wherever it is, and said, "I'm after a song that goes like this." And they've gone, "Oh, I think it's this one." What you think? Like, Mar- yeah. You think Martin Keown's in there going back to life? <laughs> Um, and he's too embarrassed to ask Wrighty or anyone with any kind of musical yeah. taste in the dressing room. Uh, now, episode two, we did a quiz, a starting 11 quiz. Yeah. And a lot of people have messaged us to say that there was an admin error. Josh lost because he picked David Platt. But David Platt actually came on as a sub. Yeah. So the game should have continued. It's an admin error on my part. It's not the first and it won't be the last. No. So I think... Because the stakes currently... What was the game? England-Holland. It was England-Holland on, on, on Chris's birthday from year 96. 23 years ago today. So because currently the scores overall are 4-3 to Chris. Does he uh, go back to 3 all? Well, he didn't win. So we're going to basically play the, the quiz equivalent of a drop ball situation okay. during a match. Okay. So I'm going to give you a question. Closest to the correct answer will win. So if Josh wins... It's 4-3 Josh. If Chris wins, it stays 4-3 to Chris. So there's a lot at stake here. Okay. So the person closest to the correct answer retrospectively wins that round of the quiz. Here is your question. The prolific SAS strike partnership of Alan Shearer and Chris Sutton spent two seasons together at Blackburn Rovers in the 90s. 94-95 and 95-96. Your question is how many goals in total did they collectively score in all competitions during that time? Okay, Josh, you're going to go first. Please give your answer and show your workings. 70. And I just thought, 
There's probably just under 20 goals each season. That's my workings. Okay. Chris? Um, I, I swear, this is not infamous for what you've just said, but I swear, I'm sure the first season they got 38 between them. I remember some sort of VT package. And so the second, I think they didn't do as well. So 30, so 68. 68, okay. In the first season, in all competitions, Alan Shearer scored 34 goals. Jeez. Oh, that's good news for me. And Chris Sutton scored 15 goals. Oh, my God. In the second season, Chris Sutton, in all competitions, scored one goal. <sighs> Alan Shearer, in all competitions, scored 37. Oh, so my God. the correct answer is 87 Oh, my goals. God. So, Josh wins... Uh, which makes it 4-3 oh. oh. to Josh. Very unjust. Okay, episode three of the pre-seasons, we looked at things we missed from the 90s. Josh picked stadiums without any roofing. Chris picked football grounds that were in residential areas. Uh, we got some lovely photos sent in on social media from the away end at Goodison Park that's still got a giant pillar that obstructs the goal. The old West End at Highbury uh, in amongst the residential street. And my choice uh, was squad numbers that related to player positions. Now, I think this is the most controversial thing we've ever said on this podcast. It's stirred up like a real hornet's nest of abuse online like it was like hoddle not picking phil neville for the france 98 <laughs> it was a real some of the tweets i've got have been unpleasant that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> so before we get to the uh the answers in the poll do you um, want some do you want some nice news on squad numbers oh yes please yeah. lovely email from matt brown i've been listening to the new series and loving it the last episode mentioned argentina world cup 1978 team who gave out their squad numbers alphabetically this struck a chord with me as a Charlton Athletic fan. Were you aware in the 93-94 season, Charlton also issued their squad numbers alphabetically? Oh, wow. So our centre-back, Steve Balmer, was number one. Bob Boulder, the goalkeeper, was number two. And our striker was number five and six. We started with a squad of 21. Anyone we signed mid-season was given the next number, so we ended up with Dennis Bailey at number 26, which ruined it for those of us with OCD. <laughs> that's mad, isn't it? In the it middle of the 90s. Yeah, that's insane. A striker with number five makes me feel a bit sick. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I could watch a game. It would give me a headache. Yeah, don't like that. Um, so before we get to the results of the poll, some honourable mentions uh, should go to things that our listeners missed about the 90s. Having a very limited and unreliable number of sources for football transfer news yeah, and rumours. That was a favourite. Big one was not knowing the score or result for your team until you sit down to watch Match of the Day. Don't like that. I mean, I my biggest memory of that was uh, being at work when Manchester United played Ipswich and sitting down and watching Match of the Day without knowing what the score was. I knew that we'd won. So by goal four, five, six, I was just giddy with excitement. You'll never, yeah. like, that will never be recreated. Um, match of the Day is still presented as though you don't know the scores, though. That always, they still that allow My brother still does that. Do they? Yeah. Well, he just won't know the day's... Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to look at the scores and then go watch match today. I don't enjoy it because I think um, I'm, I become obsessed too much with where, which hi, whose highlight it's going to be. You can't enjoy it because you know it's edited. Yeah. And there's certain things like if you see a player booked, you know they're going to get sent yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> or if you see a substitute come on, you know they're going to score. Yes. <laughs> 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> the little caption that says substitution, but you don't see it. You know, they, they have no influence on the game. Yeah, but here comes Chris Armstrong warming up. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> but the overwhelming choice for the uh, listeners option. Can I have a guess? Yeah, go Tally ahead. text. No. Oh. Uh, it was the Anglo Italian Cup. Oh, come on. Deep cut, unnecessarily niche. Do you know what? I thought that's that's gone against the previous thing where I thought that we had a younger listenership than us. Is that I've that's yeah. slightly before my time there. A younger populist that. listenership. Yeah. yeah, that's the hipster's choice. Um, yeah. so the poll results then, uh, in fourth place with just seven percent of the vote was uh, Roofless Stadiums. Oh, we had a lot of people pointing out the fact that we still have those. So really, it's, we don't. <laughs> it's an odd thing to miss when you can still go to a ground that doesn't have it. Uh, in third place, with 19% of the vote, was the Anglo-Italian Cup. Uh, in second place, with 31% against 43% of first place, it was stadiums in residential areas. Oh. And the winner... We've still got them, mate. Go to Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> the winner with 43% was uh, sequential squad, num- squad numbers. But pretty much every person that voted for this said they weren't voting for why I chose it because it was madness. The, <laughs> the left backup left back was number 13. Um, they were picking it because of their version of, of that yeah. system and... Number four is a defensive midfielder, not a centre-back. So it was more of a sort of protest vote. Yeah. They weren't voting for me, they were voting for wider policies, basically. Yeah, OK. okay. Yeah, uh, like Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> I fully I fully support the abuse and, uh, and the ultimate winner. Yeah. Uh, and then episode four, we looked at our favourite 90s football memorabilia. Josh picked Tonka Sports star figures. Chris picked the international cap and I went for Sabutio. Some honourable mentions went to, obviously, Merlin Premier League sticker books, yeah. something that we haven't really touched on a lot. We discussed about Tonga Sports Stars on the show and the episode, and like, what what did you do with them? Um, we had one person send in. The only time he ever used them was that there's a scene in Home Alone where Kevin McAllister is practising uh, shooting his sort of NBA versions of these as training oh, really? for the, the, the home invasion and the only time he ever used his Tonga Sports Stars was to shoot them like with an oh, air wow. rifle as a replication of that um, that was the only mention of them um, the unanimous choice for the listeners choice for this was uh, the Corinthian big heads basically yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 I get it so the poll results were as follows in fourth place with just 4% of the vote it was the international cap yeah, bad choice. Yeah, all. it's not really. Is it memorabilia? I don't know. <laughs> uh, in third place, with six percent of the vote, it was Josh's Tonka Sports Star figures. Again, I think maybe our listeners are just a bit too young. It's a bit, bit too, too young. Got quite a few emails about them. I think they're one of those things that you either really love or you've never heard of. Yeah. In second place, with forty-two percent of the vote, compared to forty-eight percent for first. It was Corinthian Big Heads, and the winner was Sabutio. The just, the worthy winner, I think. Now, we had an email about Sabutio uh, that said that apparently in 1990, Channel 4 broadcast the Sabutio World Cup. Whoa. I have no idea if that's true, but um, if anyone's got any more information on that, I'd I'm, love to know. I mean, playing Sabutio is boring. Watching people play <laughs> Oh my God, it's so <laughs> awful. You're plumbing new depths. So that's it. That's the results of the current polls. If you want to see how the rest of them get on, go onto our social media. If you want to vote on whether you still watch Match of the Day without knowing the scores, I'm going to put that on our Twitter today, that poll. 
All right, it is time for the quiz. The final quiz in which Skull could bring it for all, like Liverpool v Everton and Kenny Dalglish quit. Yeah, so I'm going to do something slightly different for this quiz. It's the end of these pre-seasons. Chris and Josh are going to have a penalty shootout on Sabutio. Oh, amazing. <laughs> now, you will need to go online to uh, to watch this. We're gonna, I'm going to video it, but we're going to play it out in audio here. Here it comes. Chris versus Josh in a Sabutio penalty shootout. Brilliant. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the quickly Kevin Sabutio penalty shootout challenge. It's Josh versus Chris to see who gets to pick the song to play out at the end of the show. The players are on the pitch. Josh steps up. Yes! <laughs> he scores. Buried in the top corner, giving the keeper no chance. 1 0. Chris to go. <laughs> oh, what a save. That's scared. That was embarrassing. And Whittacombe saves. Low to his left, a bad penalty from Chris. Josh to take. Straight oh, to the keeper. Got a hand to it. Chris gets a hand to it, but it creeps over the line. Unlucky from Chris there. 2 0 to Josh. Chris steps up. Oh, that was him. Josh was slow to react there. Echoes of Shilton at Italia 90. 2 1 to Josh. Josh to take. He shoots and Chris gets a hand to it, but it creeps in again. Poor penalty from Josh, but he gets away with it. 3 1. Chris steps up. Josh is attempting some grobbler theatrics on the line. But Chris calmly slots it in. 3 2. Josh steps up. Great stop from Chris, low to his right, superb save. 3-2 still. Chris steps up. And he calmly sends Josh the wrong way, a confident penalty. The scores are now 3-3. Josh steps up. Oh, that's a save. And Chris saves, a double save, incredible reflexes for a big man. 3-3 still. Skull to take the final penalty. If he scores, he wins. And Josh has saved. It's three all, sudden death. Josh steps up. Oh, scores. Having missed the last two, that showed huge character there from Josh. Chris steps up. He must score to stay in the game. He saved it. Josh tips it onto the bar. Whittacombe wins in sudden death. 4-3. So Josh wins the Sabutio penalty shootout. If you want to watch the video... Go on to our Instagram and Twitter at Quickly Kevin. Now all that's left is for Josh to pick out which song he wants to play out at the end of the show. Red Red Wine by UB40. Lovely. We'll see you in a couple of days for the Tom Crane Championship Manager Special. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.